imaginary being that we came up with, that would be one thing. And sure, you can go ahead and laugh at me. But we didn't make him up. (laughs) He's not my idea. God believes in him. Jesus believes in him. Let me show you. If Satan isn't real and doesn't exist, then how was it that at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus went toe-to-toe in the desert with the devil? If Satan isn't real and doesn't exist, then how is it that in Luke 13, Jesus says that a woman had been crippled for 18 years because of the devil? If Satan isn't real and doesn't exist, then, then why in Luke 8 did Jesus explain the meaning of a parable by saying people walk away from the faith because of the devil? And if Satan isn't real and doesn't exist, then why does Jesus say this in John 8? This is Jesus himself speaking. Why is my language not clear to you? You are unable to hear what I say because you belong to your father, who? The devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. I mean, I could go on and on with so many other verses that Jesus, where it was him speaking directly about the devil. Jesus believed in him. He believed that there was an evil presence, this, this powerful, sinister presence, if you will, that sought to kill you, steal your joy, and destroy your life. And so I think, maybe you can call me simple or kind of silly, but I think if Jesus believed in him, that I should probably believe in him. That if Jesus thought he was real and powerful, that I should probably believe the same thing. Think about this. Why do we gravitate towards stories or movies or shows that have this depiction of, of good and evil? Why in every great story is there this evil presence in the background? That's how it is in life. I know it sounds like I'm talking about a leprechaun right now for some of you, right? It's not a fairy tale creature. This is evil. The manifestation of evil in the person of Satan. And it might sound silly for some, for us to believe in this person, but Jesus would say you'd be silly not to believe. More than that, you'd be downright foolish not to believe. Because here's the thing. It'd be one thing if Satan existed kind of only in the spiritual realm and like there was this war going on up there, angelic beings fighting it out. Like it never manifested itself down here. It never really affected or impacted us in any way. But it hits pretty close to home, this war, this evil presence. Let me show you what I mean. Luke 22. Jesus is talking to one of his closest, one of his favorite disciples, a guy named Simon. And look at what he says. This is towards the end of Jesus' life. He's about to go to the cross. The guys are kind of getting scared, a little nervous. They're trying to kind of prove themselves. And listen to what Jesus says to his friend. Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, I've prayed that you will strengthen your brothers. I don't know about how many of you can relate to this, probably most in the room, but anybody ever have somebody talk bad about you behind your back? Like, oh, I didn't know you were saying that. Like, I thought you were my friend and you were kind of talking behind my back. Well, guess what? In this story, Satan is talking bad about Peter behind his back. More than that, Satan wants to stab Peter in the back. He wants to take him out and he wants to take him down. This is not out there, right, some, some uh, hypothetical, deeply spiritual principle. This is all up in here. He wants to sift you, Peter, like wheat. What does that mean? He wants to put him in kind of this really scratchy, sharp metal canister, if you will, a sifter. 
He wants to, Satan wants to take Peter and put his faith and his life and his hope and his trust, put that in there, and he wants to shake him up. He wants to rock his world so that he will be broken up, so that he'll fall apart, and then so he'll fall dead. This is a pretty nasty request, isn't it? Imagine if I called you tomorrow and be like, hey, uh, as pastor of the church, just want to let you know, Satan called, and he wants to sift you like wheat. Pretty scary thought. He wants to put you and your life and your family and your well-being, your talents, your, your finances. He wants to put you in the container. He wants to shake it up and wreck it so that you break apart and fall apart. This isn't hypothetical. This is, this is hitting the home because here's why. The word that Jesus used in Luke 22 for you is a word that us in Las Cruces, right, in West Texas, we love. It's, it's all y'all. That's the word. The you here is actually plural. 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 Easy for you to say, right? Meaning, he's saying, Satan has asked to sift all y'all. Who's he talking about? The 12? Probably. He's asked to sift and wreak havoc in the lives of the 12 disciples, those that follow Jesus. There was a larger group that followed Jesus, kind of known as the 72. Does he want to sift them like wheat? Good chance. But I think all y'all meant all y'all. <laughs> Every one of us in this room, Satan is asking to sift us, to wreck us, to destroy us. And here's why I believe that to be true. Revelation 12 says this, then the dragon, the dragon is the symbol of the enemy, of the devil, right? He's kind of an analogy, a metaphor, if you will. He was enraged at the woman. Now let's make sure we're on the same page. Here's the, who's the woman? Mary, the mother of Jesus. So the devil is enraged at Mary. And the devil went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Who is that, you might ask? Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Normally when you get a Christmas card, it doesn't depict this scene on it, does it? Like, Merry Christmas, a dragon's coming after you. Yay! But that's what's happening at Christmas. Mary gave birth to the Christ, and the dragon was enraged. And he knew he couldn't defeat the Christ, so who's he going to come after? All of the Christians, those who would come after Christ. Satan wants to sift all y'all. He wants to wreak havoc in everybody's life. Now, Satan has been defeated, decisively defeated. His future is doomed because of the death of burial and resurrection of Jesus, but he is still waging war for as long as he possibly can. He's trying to take down as many people as he can while his time is still, well, there's still some time left for him. The analogy that I think of is in the Lord of the Rings. There's a great scene where Gandalf, the white wizard, is on this bridge fighting this huge dragon. And he takes him down with his whip, right? Just this incredible scene. And he's kind of walking off like confidently. But as the dragon is falling, what does he do? Do you remember the scene? His tail whips up and he grabs the wizard and he pulls him down with him. Was the dragon defeated in that scene? Yeah, but did he still have some power to take you down with him? Yeah. It's kind of how it is with the devil. He's been defeated, but that tail, it's hitting a lot of us, is it not? It's whipping and destroying a lot of us. So, he's been defeated, but this tail, let me show you what this tail looks like. Let me, let me tell you how he's kind of wreaking havoc in our lives. This is what the Bible says. This is how the Bible describes the devil's tactics. 
It says that he is scheming, 2 Corinthians 2.11. He stalks us, 1 Peter 5.8. He deceives us, Revelation 12.9. He ensnares us, 2 Timothy 2. He hinders us, 1 Thessalonians 2. He harasses us, 2 Corinthians 12. And he attacks us, Ephesians 6. In other words, do not accept his friend request. This guy does not have your best interest in mind. In fact, it's just the opposite. He wants the absolute worst for you. So, you don't have to take the devil seriously if you don't want to. But you better believe that he is dead serious about taking you out. And he will stop at nothing to do that. In fact, one of the great lies of the father of lies, the nickname that Jesus gave him, is for us to not believe that he even exists. If I don't think that he even exists, will I fight back? Will I stand my ground? Will I take the offensive? No, I will be an easy target, right? Devil, you don't even exist. Go ahead. Go ahead and think that there's not an evil presence trying to wreck your life, and we'll, see, we'll just kind of see how well that goes for you. Let me just try to bring it home a little bit closer. Why, why do you think it is so hard to say no to, say no to pornography? Why is it so hard to do that? Why is it so hard to say no to prescription drugs after you probably should have been off of them for months now? Why is it so hard to say no to like buying things on, on, you know, products online when you know you don't need them and you know you can't afford them? Why is it so hard to do those things? Why is it so hard to remain pure in a relationship? Why is it so hard to have joy when, when your world is falling apart all around you? Why is it so hard to be steadfast, to stay committed? Why is marriage so hard? Why is parenting so exasperating? Why is life hard? Because you're in a war. You're in a battle. You think it's just you kind of like making bad choices? There's a war raging all around you. And war is hard and ugly and bad things happen. And the same thing is true in our lives, is it not? Someone wants to stop you from becoming like Jesus. Someone wants to stop you from believing in Jesus. Someone wants to stop you from ultimate, ultimately being with Jesus. And we better own that. We better be truthful with ourselves. I'm in a very real battle here, a battle for my life. Ephesians 6, 16 says this. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I don't know about you, but in Hollywood and like war scenes or, or in those depictions right where there's great battles, I kind of always gravitate towards the archers. Does anybody else love those archer scenes? I'm a huge Braveheart geek, so I love Braveheart. And I was like, archers, right? And they put them up and then they But then you also have like Katniss Everdeen, right? With her archery skills. You have Legolas, right? In Lord of the Rings. Is that how you say it? Legolas. You just say it really fast. No one even knows. Legolas. He's like, next, right? It's like archers are amazing. An arrow is an incredibly powerful weapon, isn't it? Well, guess what? Your enemy, the devil, knows this to be true as well. And he's a pretty good shot. He's got a lot of arrows, and he loves to fire them right at you. There's the arrow of addiction, 
The enemy pulls back his bow, and he fires at you. Pornography, pills, drugs, alcohol. He fires at you all these different things that that he's going to get you to believe that you need, that you can't survive without, you can't cope without. And when that arrow sticks, you become dependent on them and then despondent to the rest of the people around you. There's the arrow of anxiety. The enemy pulls back, fires things like fear, sadness, depression, regret, angst, and that arrow sticks. You start to question the goodness of life, and sometimes you might even question whether or not you might take your own life. There is the, the arrow of anger and a- aggression. Right, The enemy pulls back his, his bow, and he fires at you all these arrows where not only are you going to disagree with this person, but you're going to hate them. You're going to take an extreme position. You're going to fight against them and want to destroy them. That arrow sticks. We see people shoot places up. There's the arrow of abuse where the enemy pulls back his bow and he fires at you. That someone closest to you, a friend, a family member, abuses you. Does something to you that is unthinkable. And when that arrow sticks, there's such insecurity and fear and shame and sadness and trauma. There's the arrow of accusation. He pulls back his bow and he fires. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You messed up too much in the past. Jesus would never love you. You're not getting out of this mess. Fire, fire. You see how this works? Anybody else have about 12, 15 arrows sticking out of them right now? I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. Just constant. We all know what it feels like to have the devil's fiery darts hit us right in the chest. And that's why, my friends, the concept of God being our defender might be one of the most important truths in all the Bible. Listen to how the Bible describes our great God. Listen to the language it uses to describe him as our defender. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock. In him I take refuge. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. He helps me. My heart leaps for joy with my song. I praise him. Psalm 147, sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. Psalm 144, 2, he is my loving God, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, in whom I take refuge. He subdues people under me. All of these verses and so many more speak to God's unique ability to protect us, to defend us, and to literally shield us from all of the fiery arrows that the devil throws at us. It's as if Jesus knows what was true of Peter is true for us. Satan has asked to sift y'all, and I'm going to stand in front of you as he does so. I'm going to shield you from that. Isn't that a great promise? But I don't think that a lot of us are, are truly using or utilizing God as our shield or as our defender. We're, we're trying to fight him on our own strength. So we're going to do a little activity here uh, just because we can. Fab 13 gives us the excuse to blow things up and fire things in, in, the, in the service. Okay, so I'm going to ask my friend Mason uh, to come down here and help me with this. Okay, so when I was thinking of archers and fiery darts, my friend Mason immediately came to mind. He's a student here at NMSU, one of the best guys you will ever meet, and he is a killer archer. And I mean that literally. Like he kills things with his bow and arrow. 
Okay? So I'm going to have him stand uh, over here by, by David and Beth because their lives are semi-important. But um, you've seen the trick, right, where, where someone has an apple on top of their head. So I'm going to sit and I'm going to have this apple here. And he's going to fire. I think that's called a compound bow. It goes 206 miles an hour. I looked it up this morning. Okay, I'm actually not going to do that. That scares me even like thinking that is terrifying. Don't, that was your idea, actually, I think. That was your idea. Okay, uh, what we're going to do instead is we're going we're to get some products here. Let me see. Okay, so we're going to look at the different options we have available to us. So, you know, I'm going to defend myself with my own strength. I'm a pretty strong guy. Like, I'm pretty, you know, talented. got some abilities of my own. You know, it's somewhat flimsy, but it should work, okay? This thing right here, I think it's called a block, a shooter's block, a killer block. I don't know what you call it, okay? This represents you and me. Let's see if your strength will protect you from this arrow. I hate to say that Mason is the devil, but let's just, let's just say here, he's a really good guy, I promise, okay? All right, so let's see. Did you survive that attack based on your own strength? Um, doesn't look good for you, right? Let's see if I can even get this out. Okay. All right, so your strength did very little to shield you from the fiery dart of the enemy. All right, so let's just step it up one notch here. Let's see, okay, so I don't have my strength. What about my stuff? I mean, I've got a lot of stuff. This is stronger. I mean, you should see my home security system, right? My garage, I've got a lot of stuff. I even got a storage shed. I got a lot of stuff. And surely all my stuff, all the stuff that I've purchased over the years, all the nice things that I have, my big home, surely that will protect me from the fiery dart of the enemy. All right, Mason, let's see how well this will protect us. Okay, let's see. Oh, yep, you're dead. Okay, all right, so we're going to pull this out here. Okay, your stuff didn't do a whole lot to save you, did it? Okay, okay, surely there's got to be something here. Okay, oh, here we go. My success. Man, I'm a very successful individual, right? Multiple degrees, pretty accomplished. Surely my success will help me. And I mean, this, this is metal, people. Like, my success, I've achieved a lot in this life. Surely all of my accolades, my accomplishments, surely the metal shield will protect me. We'll just move this this way a little bit in case it ricochets, um, which it did. Only one person in first service died. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. All right, so surely my, my success will shield me from the fiery darts of the enemy. Mason, do your worst. Okay, let's see here. Okay, well, that didn't work out like I'd hoped. Uh, straight through that shield. See how even your success, even your success doesn't, doesn't cut it, doesn't save you. Your success is no match for the enemy. What is? What will protect you? What is your strength in your shield? This is the thickest piece of wood I could find. This is my savior. This is my shield. This is my defender. He's my hiding place, my refuge. Will he save me? Let's see. Yep. <laughs> Let's give Mason a round of applause, would we?
Think about that, though. It's incredible. I cut my finger on one of those things over there. This is a real battle. See? Flesh and blood. But you see, isn't that kind of the mental posture that we take, though, in life? Like, I got this. I've got this on my own. I can overcome this addiction, this problem. Like, it's no big deal, really. I've got it. Don't worry. And then it goes right through the paper. And then it goes right through the cardboard. And then it goes right through even our best defense, the metal. What do you need? You need a shield, a defender. Imagine if I had a block, you know, three feet thick, be like, bring it on, missing. He's my fortress. Who do I have to fear? We were hoping that he could, he could hit the other arrow. I mean, look at how close. This is the arrow from first service. You can't really tell. Come up afterward, but don't touch it. It hurts. Um, oh, there's blood on there. Wow, that was awkward. So sorry. No pastors were hurt in the making of this sermon. Um, we were hoping he would hit that other arrow because actually in Isaiah 54 it says, no weapon formed against me will stand. If he could have hit that little tiny arrowhead, he said the arrow would have split in two. That's the imagery, right? The arrow will come against you, but when you are shielded by the Lord, when you're shielded with Jesus... When he is your strength and your refuge and your strong tower, the arrows will come, but they will shatter. Now, let me just say this, because this was on my heart kind of in between services. Some of us feel like, or maybe even look like, the metal thing over there, don't we? Or the, the piece of cardboard. It's like, really, God's going to shield me? You should see my back. You should see my chest. Like, I'm ridden with arrow holes. Where was God then? Well, God tells Jesus tells Peter something pretty powerful. He says, you know what? Bad things might happen to you. In fact, they might even kill you, but not a hair on your head will perish. The arrow is not going to last. It's not going to be there forever. I promise you. He is somehow shielding you eternally. There might be some temporal things that happen, some bad things that happen to you in this life, and that arrow is very real. I'm not going to say, well, you just don't have enough faith. Where was your piece of wood? You had faith, and the arrow still came through. But it's not that Jesus wasn't defending you in that moment. He was simply saying, that, ah, that's just a flesh wound. Eternally speaking, not a hair on your head will be harmed. Meaning, everything that has been wrecked or destroyed now will be redeemed. Anything that was pierced by an arrow now will somehow be made well again, be made right. I just love that God defends me or he's going to use my own wounds to bless me and to glorify himself. Isn't that powerful stuff? This is why in Ephesians 6.10 it says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It didn't say be strong in yourself. Be strong in your degree program. Be strong in your professional pursuits. Be strong in your marriage. They didn't even say be strong in your Bible reading or your church attendance. What did it say? Be strong in the Lord. You need something else, something much stronger than you to defend yourself. You need a strong tower. You need a defender, and that's our Lord. I love how in Luke 11, Jesus talks about Satan in terms of being this strong man. He says, Satan is a strong man, and he has entered your house, and because he's stronger than you, he's kind of doing whatever he wants in the house. But in Luke 11... I love this. Go back and read the story. He says, but if a stronger man comes in, he will defend you and take the other guy out. Those are fighting words from Jesus. 
He is the stronger man. He was referring to himself. That he is stronger than Satan. Although Satan might be stronger than you, he is no match for our Lord. Demonic powers are not impressed by you. They're not impressed by your intellect. They're not impressed by how long you've been a Christian. They're not impressed by how many memory verses you have. I I love Bible Boy. I love all that. But the demons don't really care about that. You know what scares demons to death? The God who was raised from death. That's what scares them. And so the best thing you can do when being attacked, Jesus! That's it. It's him. He's your defense. He's your strong tower. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. So let me end this morning by sharing with you three simple steps to help us tap into this spiritual, supernatural strength of God. The first is admit. Admit that you on your own look like those things over there. There are arrows sticking all out of you. That you have succumbed to these arrows. That you have not been able to defend yourself. Just admit, life is not the way I had hoped. Things are broken. I am broken. My spirit's broken. My marriage is broken. Admit it. The greatest thing you can do is just be honest. That you've been under attack. And that you need help. Just admit. The second thing is ask. Ask God to specifically strengthen you and shield you in whatever ways you feel like you're being most attacked right now. For some of you, it is in the addiction world. And so we would just ask specifically, God, would you help me not to desire the bottle, not to desire the internet, not to desire all these other things that are coming after me. For some, it is anxiety. God, help me to not be overcome with angst or depression or sadness. For some of you, it's apathy. God, help me to start caring about something. Why am I just like a sitting here not not worrying or or wondering or or being in awe on anything. Whatever it is for you, just ask him. Admit that you've been defeated and now ask God to give you strength and victory. And the final thing, which I love, is adore. Instead of worrying or getting all worked up, guess what we as believers do? We worship. You see, worry and getting all worked up are the arrows of the enemy. You know how we fight back against the enemy? We worship. This title, this theme of Defender is based on a song that came out by that very name just a couple years ago. And there's a great line in there. It says, Lord, you bring me the head of my enemy. That's a reference to the story of David and Goliath, right? I gain victory in my battle and over my giants. And what does the rest of the verse say? And all I did was sing and praise and worship. You know what your greatest weapon is in this battle? It's worship. That's how you fight. That's why we are so passionate about passionate praise here at University Church. Because when we are praising passionately, you know what we're doing? We're fighting vigorously. And so we are going to come with all of our heart. We're going to raise hands. We're going to fall on our knees because we're in a battle. And so would you rather go to war with a songbook or a sword? Well, the sword is kind of the sword of the spirit. I kind of messed this analogy up. Anyway, but a songbook. Because your weapon is your praise. And when you sing, especially when you've been taken out by an arrow or two, when you still choose to sing in that moment, 
you're experiencing some supernatural protection and defense that, that I can't even put into words. So I'm going to pray that over us now, and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing this song, Defender, together. We're going to take communion, and during communion, we're going to ask Jesus, would you be my strength and my help, my refuge, whatever you need Jesus to be for you? Guess what? He wants to be that for you this morning. Think of all those words. You need a rock. You need a shield. You need a help. You need a refuge, a strong tower. What do you need from Jesus? Come to the table this morning and ask him to be that. And then would we go to war together? Let's battle together. Not with each other. That's kind of awkward. But let's battle as we praise. Amen? Let me pray this over you now. God, we are so grateful that you have made these promises to us in Scripture. That as we are engaged in this war, as this enemy, this dragon is coming against us, God. Although it sounds silly, maybe a little fantasaical, God, it's just so real. All of us know what it feels like to be undermined by the devil to be attacked by the devil, to be hit by one of his fiery darts. And so I just pray for every person in this room, God, would you in your goodness, would you kind of slowly remove those arrows that have stuck over the years? And moving forward, God, would you be our defense and our shield? Would you help us to ward off the attacks that are coming? For some of us, it's our self-worth. For others of us, God, it's these external factors. For some, it's broken relationships. For some, it's a broken spirit. God, whatever it is, would you come and be our strength and our stronghold, our shield and our helper now? I'm grateful, God, that I don't have to fight the devil on my own. In fact, when I do, I just make a mess of it. When I lower my shield of faith, that's when I experience the worst. And so help me to raise up this shield and to believe in you wholeheartedly now. Thank you for being our great defender. Help us to lean into that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go to the table, and then we'll stand and sing together.